Good morning. It's Tuesday, February 27th. I'm Beth Golay, and this is Wichita's Early Edition from KMUW News. Tommy Orange, the author of There There, which is the 2024 Big Read Wichita selection, has written a follow-up novel titled Wandering Stars. Although both novels unpack the atrocities of war on Native Americans, Orange is hesitant to call his work therapeutic. I would never like call it therapeutic outright, but I can't help but say that there are aspects that help me process the world for sure. My conversation with Tommy Orange, after the news. The city of Wichita is taking an inventory of lead water lines throughout its system in response to proposed new federal regulations and is asking for residents' help. KMUW's Celia Hack has more. The federal government is proposing new rules to replace all lead pipes in 10 years. The city says most of the lead water pipes on the public side have already been replaced, but there are more unknowns on the private side. It's asking residents to take a survey to identify the waterline material in their homes. Here's Andrew Van Tassel with the city's Public Works and Utilities Department. If you do have a lead service line, you're under no obligation to change that, but it is highly recommended from the EPA to to fix that situation as soon as possible just because of the health risks. Lead is especially harmful to children. The city's water meets all current regulatory standards for lead. Go to wichita.gov for the survey. For KMUW News, I'm Celia Hack. A federal trial challenging the municipal election system in Dodge City, Kansas, began in Wichita yesterday. As Beck Shackelford Wanganga of the Kansas News Service reports, plaintiffs accused Dodge City of suppressing Latino votes. The trial stems from a complaint in December 2022 against Dodge City's commissioners and the at-large election system used to vote them in. Plaintiffs Miguel Coca and Alejandro Rangel Lopez allege the process marginalizes Latino voters and blocks them from electing candidates they choose. The suit says although 65% of Dodge City's population is Hispanic or Latino, a Latino person has not been elected commissioner in more than 20 years. The lawsuit was filed by the American Civil Liberties Union of Kansas, the UCLA Voting Rights Project, and others on behalf of the plaintiffs. Dodge City officials declined to comment. For the Kansas News Service, I'm Beck Shackelford Wanganga. Kansas Governor Laura Kelly issued a state of disaster emergency Monday because of the risk of wildfires. The order will continue through the rest of the week. The current warmer weather combined with strong winds and low relative humidity have increased the risk of fires across the state. Authorities recommend exercising extreme caution and avoiding outdoor activities that could spark a fire. The Operations Center for the state's Division of Emergency Management in Topeka will begin staffing today in case local responders need help with fires. Teachers in Kansas say behavior problems and other issues in the classroom are taking a toll on their mental health. KMUW's Suzanne Perez has more. A group of teachers from across the state addressed Kansas lawmakers recently during a House committee meeting. They said more students are dealing with trauma at home, and it affects their performance and behavior in the classroom. Marysville High School teacher Carla Wolf says schools aren't doing enough to support teachers' mental health. A lot of districts pay lip service to it, and they'll say stuff like, oh, make sure you get some rest and take care of yourself, and, but there are no mental health resources for teachers in my district. Teachers urge lawmakers to fully fund special education so that schools can have more counselors and social workers. For KMUW News, I'm Suzanne Perez. 
The Kansas Department of Corrections and Kansas Bureau of Investigation are looking into the death of an inmate from Wichita at the Lansing Correctional Facility. Here's Beck Shackelford-Wanganga again with more. 51-year-old Eric Avila died Saturday, according to state officials. He was found unresponsive in his cell and pronounced dead after emergency workers tried to save him. Avila's cause of death is undetermined, pending the results of an independent autopsy. Avila was serving a more than 20-year sentence on murder and kidnapping charges for killing his girlfriend in 2012 in Wichita. For the Kansas News Service, I'm Beck Shackelford-Wanganga. The city of Wichita is continuing to take applications for its Way to Work program. The Summer Youth Jobs program helps area teenagers ages 14 to 17 get connected to employers and learn work and employment skills. Program participants and their parents are required to attend a meeting on March 8th to learn more about the program. Nichelle Williams is with the city. She says that parents are vital to the success of the program. You are the key, um, and we value your opinion, and we value your support. And when I say that, what we're looking for is, is we want to make sure that by us doing that, you are at the table to hear exactly yes. the expectations for the summer. Students get paid almost $9 an hour. To learn more, go to wichita.gov. The Wichita Wind Surge has named a new general manager. Matt Hamilton has worked in minor league baseball since 2018. For the last two seasons, he was part of the front office staff of the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre Railriders, a AAA affiliate in Pennsylvania. Before working in baseball, Hamilton spent several years as a television journalist in Texas. He replaces Bob Moulet, who had been with the Wind Surge since 2019 when the team moved to Wichita. The Wind Surge opens its fourth season on April 5th at Riverfront Stadium. The 19th annual Symphony in the Flint Hills will take place June 8th at Red Ranch in Greenwood County. The Kansas City Symphony will perform alongside singer Katherine McPhee. She was runner-up on season five of American Idol in 2006. McPhee has also starred in movies and TV shows as well as on Broadway. The concert celebrates the music, art, and ecology of the Flint Hills. Other activities that day will include covered wagon rides, guided prairie walks, and local storytelling. Tickets go on sale Saturday. There's more information at symphonyintheflinthills.org. We'll be back after this. The stories our families share often have a tremendous impact on who we become and what we pass on to future generations. From stories shared around the dinner table to those we've heard well into adulthood, these stories are important and should be remembered and celebrated. We'll be sharing some of these stories at KMUW's Wichita's Big Read event on April 19th. If you have a family story to share, go to KMUW.org to find out more info and apply to be a speaker today. This is Wichita's Early Edition. I'm Beth Golay. The selection for 2024 Big Read Wichita, which launches in March, is There There by Tommy Orange. The newest book by Tommy Orange, Wandering Stars, is both a prequel and a sequel to There There. But as you recently told me, you don't have to read one before the other. You could totally not read There There and, and you're not going to miss anything. However, if you do read There There, there'll be an enriching um, because you'll be familiar with this family, the Red Feather Bear Shield family. So I hadn't intended on um, having a historical piece. It sort of happened by chance. I was writing a straightforward sequel and 
I happened upon this piece of history about uh, the prison castle in St. Augustine called Fort Marion. This piece of this sort of vital and, and horrible chapter of American history where we created this boarding school system before we did this to the kids. It started with prisoners of war at this prison castle. So Richard Henry Pratt put prisoners of war over a three-year period through a sort of education system where teaching Christianity and um, they would do military drills and dress, you know, in military garb. And um, they eventually ended up being prison guards to themselves. And it was so effective that he decided Let's do this to all of the native children and kill the Indians, save the man was the campaign that that ran on. I was doing research and there was a list of prisoners that I found. And one of the prisoners name was Star. And I already had decided on Wandering Stars as the title. Uh, it was sort of um, the beginning of writing the sequel. It, it came to me that that's what the title would be. And another one of the prisoners name was Bearshield. So I already had Bearshield written into there, there. And um, I decided I would, I would make this sort of a family line. You would get this walking back in history through these generations before landing back with the aftermath of what happens at the end of there, there. So I think it's an important piece of history. And I've, I've sort of found a way to weave it into there, there in a way that you sort of understand the context of this one family. I loved the multiple meanings of Wandering Star, whether it was the name of, of the person who has left or the star-shaped bullet traveling through a body or, or another way to describe a planet. What meaning holds the most truth for you? Um, I think, well, it's, it started with the Portishead song. And the Portishead song only exists in the book as a sort of, if you know the lyrics, then you know that's the song I'm pointing to, but I don't say it outright. Um, when or one of the characters toward the end of the book sort of gets in trouble and that's the song that's playing on the radio when it when this moment happens um i i had heard the song at a certain moment in 2018 before there there even came out and when i heard the song i knew i was going to write a sequel and it was going to be called wandering stars so um that is important but i i wouldn't put more importance on that piece than you know discovering that it was actually a bible verse and having Jude Star uh, sort of struggle with Christianity and its meanings. And uh, so it means something different all over the place. And that's why I ended up calling it Wandering Stars instead of Wandering Star, because it has the, the multiple references and meanings. You make a lot of references to characters reading other works in this book, or even writing works. And, you know, I'm currently trying to read Moby Dick on the side. So, of course, I noticed the first words that Jude Starr spoke in English were, it's not down on any map, true places never are. Do the books that your characters read hold, you know, the same importance to you? No, not all of them. I have been trying to read Moby Dick for a long time. I think I had tried in the past, and it's really, it's a tough read for me. And then Ocean Vuong, the, the novelist and poet, he sort of loves the book, and and I tried again after I learned that he did. Um, and so I, I guess I'm still slowly trying to get through it on the side as well. So it's not necessarily it, it more fit something that I was doing with the character. Like there's another reference to Frankenstein, um, and that's not uh, a book that I've even read, but it fits something, and it's a book from that time period. So uh, it's it's a mix. It's a mixture of if it fits, does it work. 
or it's important to me. So I reference it just because it's important to me. There's another line that I highlighted. You will ask the librarian what novels are written by Indian people, and she will tell you that she doesn't think there are any. Was this your experience as a young reader as well? Yeah, I, I, except I didn't. I wasn't going around asking, uh, but I certainly didn't have anybody like putting a book in my hand and being like, "You need to read this." And there were, in you know, when I was a young person, there were books that existed that would have totally changed me. The native canon goes back to you know the '60s, and um, that just never happened. I think the only book that I knew that existed about native people was the Education of Little Tree. But as it turns out, the guy who wrote that was an ex-KKK member, and he was a speechwriter for George Wallace, the one who wrote the line, segregation now, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. He he faked being a, a Native person. He sort of disappeared when politics didn't go well for him. People weren't being conservative enough. And he disappeared, and then years later came back and had long hair and was calling himself Cherokee, and he changed his name from Asa Earl Carter to Forrest Carter. And he wrote, ended up writing a book called The Education of Little Tree. And that was taught in schools for years, even after people knew that this guy was um, not who he said, not, you know, he wasn't a native person. So that was the only book that I knew about growing up. It was written by an ethnic fraud person. And it went, there was no accurate details about Cherokee people in it. Did writing this book affect you at all? Was it was it therapeutic? I think in part, I would never say that's the whole that's the whole of the effect that's happening. I think writing is is a way that I process the world and and pain, you know, thinking and feeling through writing. And um, there are aspects of it definitely that that I think um, address things that I that, and clarify things that. Um, inside that, that feel good and make me feel better uh, but it's it's painstaking work and I would never like call it therapeutic outright but I can't help but say that there are aspects that help me process the world for sure Wandering Stars is out today and my entire interview with Tommy Orange is available in the Marginalia podcast at kmuw.org Thanks for joining us for Wichita's Early Edition We'll be back again tomorrow. For KMUW News, I'm Beth Golay. Wichita's Early Edition is part of the NPR Podcast Network. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.